Um, we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. I'm going to read them for you and then get into it a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to stop where I normally stop, though. We're going to move just a little bit ahead in that. But let me read it to you this morning. These are the commands, decrees, and law the Lord your God directed me to teach to you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful uh, to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them with, uh, when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorframe of your houses and on your gates. You see, um, for parents and for mentors, those that, those that uh, help direct and guide other people, a personal relationship with Jesus means that we, they teach everyone, but in this particular case, children, about the faith, about God and about their beliefs. Um, other than attending worship services, what do you do intentionally with your children to help them grow in their faith and their understanding of God? So what do you do with your children? What do you do with other children, nieces, nephews, um, family members, uh, friends of family? What do you do intentionally? And I don't mean with, with like an agenda, but I mean intentionally to teach, to show what you believe. What do you do uh, for others to understand uh, what God is all about and what God has done in your life. In an article in The Guardian titled Children Must Choose Their Own Beliefs, the author, Richard Dawkins, he, he states um, that assuming a child's parents will raise them in their faith and talk about them in ways um, that is about their faith, he says that's a type of mental child abuse. Now, although not everything in his article is, is wrong... It is true that parents, that we should allow our kids to choose and develop their faith without coercion. But that doesn't mean we don't influence. That doesn't mean we don't help and guide and direct. Um, but there's one thing that this author, he's, he's, he's naive about a bunch of things, but he's naive about the influence that outside society and the world has on our children and on us. Uh, the importance of sharing the truth that we've found and the ability to have a dispassionate view from nowhere in the formation of beliefs and opinions. And it's common to hear nowadays that parents will say, I don't want to make my kid go to church. I want them to choose their own beliefs, own religion. And, and, there, and there's nothing wrong with saying, I want my child to choose, but there is a problem with just letting them go and just kind of figuring out what's, what's out there and what's happening. And Scripture basically says very strongly that we are to guide, we are to direct, and we are to help. What they do after that is up to them as they become adults. Um, but there is an importance of teaching 
the young people. And, and that's why we even at West Winds have invested so much in children's ministry and in youth ministry because we want to make sure that the young people understand why we're here, why we come to church on Sundays, why we read our Bibles at home, why we have a relationship with God, and why we believe that he has done such great things in our lives. Many times in my younger years, I relied on God for a lot of things. If I had waited, would things have turned out differently? I, 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 if I had not put some trust in God, I would not be where I am today in my thoughts, in my life, in my family life, in a lot of different things. And so it's important for you as an example to pass on the things that God has done in your life to your children, to family members, to other people who need to hear his word. Now, there's a, a study done in, in a pediatrics journal in 2007 that said children see approximately 40,000 hours of commercials every day. Well, sorry, they see 40,000 commercials every year on TV every year. So what's a commercial? 30 seconds uh, times that. I'm not a mathematician, but it's a lot, right? It's a lot of stuff. Now, Compare that to the short period of time that you are in church, that your kids are in church. So let's say you are a highly devoted attendee of West Winds and you are here 365, well, not 365, but you're 52 weeks out of the year, you are in church. So that's, that's an example of, okay, there's an hour a week that you would come together and worship together. That's not including your time of Bible study. But how many of us actually crack our Bibles open every day? Should we, should we do some hands? No, we won't do any hands. But I'm telling you, how, how many of us are in it every day? Well, I would say that not every, every one of us are in it every day all the time. So the amount of time we spend in it is not as much as we do watching, I don't know, Netflix, Disney+. Plus. Now, I'm a big Star Wars fan, and The Mandalorian is addicting, but, but that's a lot of time. It's a lot of time to invest. I actually have said to Michelle a few times because we like to pick a show and we'll watch it through um, just as a, as a family or as a date night or whatever it is. And um, there'll be other shows popping up. She's like, oh, that's a good show. That's good. I'm like, yeah. I can't dedicate any more time. I can't do it. There's too much. It's too distracting. It stops me from doing other things. And that's what TV does. We, we, I can't pick another show because then I get stuck. I get caught, and I want to watch it more, and then I need to watch the rest. So sometimes on holidays, I will sit down, and I'll pound through shows just, just, to, just to kind of get a thing because I get stuck. Not because I chose to binge watch it, but because I got stuck in it, and I couldn't get out of it. There's this cycle of just, I need to know what happens next. And that's how they get you. And that's what commercials do. I've cried at a McDonald's commercial where a dad and his child are sitting there and they're sharing. That's why Pastor Paul's message about the French fry just about made me cry right here. I got problems. But they impact you. A McDonald's commercial? It, it was a French fry. It was a moment they had. In fact, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit touched right now. The thing is, it impacts you. Commercials impact you. They impact your kids. I'm not an anti-TV person. I'm not an anti-movie person. But I do know the old saying back in the 80s, some of you weren't around, the 80s, garbage in, garbage out. 
put stuff in, that's what's going to come out. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a true rule because it's, it's, it's factual. But these things impact us. Thousands of commercials every day. And it would not be unreasonable to assume that that number has increased in the years because now let's add in social media. Go back a few years, we had Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now we've got the TikTok, which I still don't understand them, to be honest with you. I've tried to pull it up on my phone, tried to get into it. I don't know what to do. People say it's easy. I don't understand. How do you work this thing? And as I'm going through it, the videos stop at a certain point where they're supposed to be whatever they're saying to make the point. And I don't know if they've done it in the video. I don't know if it's just known to everyone, but it doesn't make any sense. But we fill our minds with this, and people can get stuck in watching these reels, these TikTok things, and they just go through and keep going and going and going. So there's so many distractions. The number has increased since 2007 of the amount of time we spend watching commercials, being influenced by social media. I mean, look at what happens when you post anything. You post something, people are all over you online, right? Because they're watching. They're on their phones. They're waiting, just waiting. And sometimes I like to be a pest. I don't know if you knew this about me. I've tried to hold that back a lot. But sometimes I like to poke the bear. And I like to throw something out there and just, I'm fishing. I'm reeling it in. And then as they take the bait, I just walk away. Because let them stir. Let them stir. There's thing, and, and there are people that do this as a profession. They're very good at it, and they do it all the time, and, it's, and they bait you. So we have to say that we are influenced by commercials, by social media, by movies, by TV, by all of this. We are influenced by it. And so while parents may be choosing not to raise their kid in a particular faith or their children in a particular faith, advertisers are making every possibility in the world for you to have to actually... Um, see what they're trying to say. They are, they're trying to influence you. They're trying to influence your worldview. Have you ever been talking about something with your spouse, with your friends, whatever, and then within, I would say the quickest has been for me was 20 minutes, all of a sudden you're getting advertisements on your feeds about that subject you talked about. Have you ever experienced that? I have. Now, I don't own a cat, Michelle and I talked about a cat one day just to see if this would work. I started getting cat advertisements. So I don't know, and I'm not a conspiracy person. Maybe it was just a fluke. But things are happening that we don't fully understand. Algorithms are in place to influence you to buy products. You search for one product, multiple products will pop up that you might be interested in. And these algorithms are very smart and they know how you're going to think next by what you do. So we're influenced by external influences. Now, often in the church, we talk about a personal relationship with Jesus. Okay? We we turn from the... From, we, we, don't like to hear, we don't like to hear religion. We don't like to say this is a religious view. We like to say, well, no, I'm actually a believer in Jesus and I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But some people interpret this wrong and they think it's to mean that their faith is a personal thing and should not be shared. And as a result, they miss out on the opportunity. Um, they miss out on the important communal aspects 
of faith, of being in a group, of the opportunity to share together and be a part of something bigger. One of the great uh, responsibilities of our faith is to raise our children in our belief system and in our faith. And so our faith is, tra- is a transmitted faith that goes from one generation to the next. My grandfather passed it to my mother, my mother passed it to me, and so on, and I pass it to my kids. Now, the Old Testament classifies the Jewish faith as a faith in God, uh, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. And that's, we see that in, uh, for an example in Exodus chapter 3, verses 15 to 16. And in other words, we, we have a faith that is passed, that the parents have passed to their children, who in turn pass it on to their children. And in Deuteronomy, God tells the people that the greatest commandment is to love God with all their heart, their soul, and their might. And it doesn't just stay there in the Old Testament. Jesus comes along in, in Mark chapter 12, 29 to 30, and says he affirms it. It's the greatest commandment. Now, the first thing a believer who loves the Lord is supposed to do is to teach their children or others, if they don't have children, others about the Lord. And a personal relationship is a personal relationship, and it's filled with love. Um, It's filled with grace and peace and joy, and it's about where you know God, and it's about being known by God, but it doesn't just stop there. The relationship is the starting point for everything else that follows. The importance of this transmission of us passing our faith along from one generation to the next, primarily in this particular scripture, is talking about in your house, personally within your house, can be seen in this passage. And not only in the commandment to teach children, but in the verses that precede in a commandment to love God. And as Moses is discussing the commandments of God, he says, the purpose is that you may fear the Lord your God. Now, fear in a holy way, in a good way. You and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. He is envisioning a multi-generational faith as parents are passing their faith on to their children and their, their children, they're growing up having children and doing the same thing. It's a principle that works um, with other children in our lives, you know, and, and that's why it's so important to be involved in kids' ministry. I can't stress it enough. The North American church needs more people passing on their faith to younger people, to showing them what they've gone through, to showing them how God has done great things in their lives and how he can do the same and does the same for all of us. It's important. But what are we doing for our future generations? What are we doing for them? What are you specifically doing for them? It's great to come to church, and that's admirable, and it's important, and we need to come together. But a lot of times, you'll hear where people, you know, we we have a need for help in the kids' ministry or youth ministry, and people are like, well, that's not my gifting. Well, nowhere in this book does it say you have to be gifted to pass on your faith. God himself commanded that we pass it on. He didn't say you got to be good at it, though. If you stink, 
We don't want you. Don't, don't pass it on. Keep it to yourself. He said, pass it along. Command. We don't like being commanded, do we? We don't like being told what to do. I think we've seen that somewhere. Where have we seen it? Michelle, don't shake your head. Where have we seen that we don't like being told what to do? I'm not saying anything. <laughs> Just pointing it out. So how about you? What, how do you understand the term personal relationship with Jesus? Is it something you keep closely, uh, so close to yourself that you don't want to influence anyone at all? Now, again, I don't mean coerce. I mean influence. Influence is a good thing. Coerce is different. Because there's an important thing to be said about our children and the people that are involved in our lives about owning their faith, owning those beliefs. But we don't coerce. We influence. And that's a positive thing. You have influence. And you're like, oh, who do I have influence? Anywhere you go, you have influence. It can be bad influence or it can be good influence. You remember what they used to say is, is uh, they used to say that when you would hang around maybe some people that weren't doing good things, what would your parents say to you? You're known by the company you keep, right? Now, there's a difference between doing, you know, influencing people and, and, and doing ministry with other people, but we are known by the company we keep. And we have to be careful about our influence. We have an influence. If the second they know you're a Christian, you have an influence on somebody. And so that statement, you're known by the company you keep, goes out to a lot of different illustrations and, and, and a lot of different um, aspects of our lives. But what are we doing? Are we keeping our face so close that nobody knows? Or are we allowing others to see what God has done in our life? I find that most people, not just children, but children are very influential, but you can influence them easily, but they're like sponges. And most people are like that, but young people can't control what is poured into them, and they can't control what they absorb. Now, we can't control a lot of things that we absorb. We can control a lot of things that is poured into us, but we can't always control what we absorb absorb or see. Every day through music, through social media, through television, through movies, through friends at school, the world is pouring what it believes into them, into us. And they are soaking it up, and we are soaking it up. We are being influenced. They are being influenced. And the amount of time that advertisers and social media and all that put in the amount of money that they put into trying to influence you is amazing because they wouldn't put money into anything if it didn't work. And you know by social media and you know by what's going on in the world right now, including in our own country, that you can be influenced with misinformation so easily it's sickening. Misinformation is rampant throughout our whole world right now. But we absorb it. 
And then some people, because their personalities have a sense of justice, that justice must be served. How many here have done a personality test ever in their lives? Yeah, we've all kind of touched upon them, yeah. There are some people that believe in justice and it must be served. And that's a personality trait. And it's a good trait. There's nothing wrong with it. Unless it's fed misinformation. And there are those that have a more laid-back approach that don't do anything about things. And they can be fed with misinformation as well. And they react a different way. See, right now, there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of stuff going on. And people are reacting how their default personality will react. You all have a default personality, but when you add stress to it, you're different. When you add fatigue to it, you're different. How many of you have had to apologize to a spouse or another person in your family or anybody because you were stressed out and tired? Because you said something you shouldn't have said, or you acted a certain way? Yeah, yeah, me never. Of course not. <laughs> we all do it. We all do it. And it's important that we understand that a lot of times people are reacting and, and, and uh, acting out in stress responses. So that's where people of faith come in. That's where we show love and grace and peace to them. Now, we don't let people get away with whatever they want, but we show compassion. We show empathy of where they're at. And anytime you get down to where somebody's at and talk to them, that's why they always say when you're with a child, when you're dealing with a child, get down on and get eye to eye with them. When we get to where somebody else is, whether they're stressed out, fatigued, whatever it is, and there's a lot of COVID fatigue right now, and people will say, oh, that's not a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. People are snapping at anything. You've probably done it. I've done it. We're losing our minds because of all these pressures and we feel like what? We're out of control. Well, just to give you a heads up, we've never been in control in the first place. There's only one person that's in control, and that's God. He's the only one in control. You have no control. You can control how you respond. Other than that, there is nothing else. And so we soak up all this extra stuff that's going on around us, and we act out in certain ways. And that's an exact example of a child. If there's tension in the home, what does a kid do? Acts out. There's a lot of acting out going on in our world today. There's a lot of acting out going on in our country today. What are we like? We're like temper tantrum little children because things aren't going the way we want them to go. Man, come on. And then we flip out. We've got to get control of ourselves. And what do we do with a kid? We give them a timeout. Unless you're like one of these progressive parents who like just goes, you know, talks about their feelings and allows them to do whatever they want. We, we give them a timeout. Back in my day, they used to spank you. They used to get a wooden spoon. And they'd spank you. <laughs> People are like, oh, don't say spank. It's like a bad thing. I turned out okay. I turned out all right. Not, I'm not saying spank your children. Oh, please. Do not go away and start thinking that I'm going there. I'm just showing a little history. <laughs> we don't throw away. Here's another little tidbit of wisdom. We don't throw away our history, good or bad, because we didn't like it. We don't throw it away. We learn 
from it. Anyways, I could go off on that, but I'm not going to today. I'm feeling saucy. So. so as parents, we have a duty to raise our children. We have a duty to be responsible. We have a duty to influence about our faith, uh, not coerce, but influence because of that. And so we're instructed by the Lord to do that. So the question is to you, what are you doing today? And, and, and are you going to let the world pour into your family members, whether they're kids or not? Are you going to let the world pour into them um, to what they should believe? Or will you give them the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, whether as people move on in life, agree or disagree? Now, in, in 2007, again, CBS created this reality show. Oh, reality shows. They're so, it's such a train wreck. But, man, do you notice you like to watch train wrecks? You like to see the accidents? You notice that? They had this show called Kid Nation, and, and, and it was a show where kids from 8 to 15 um, competed against each other for this gold star of $20,000. And while in the show, they, they were to create their own society with their own form of government, and they were in charge of handling the day-to-day tasks of living. Kids from 8 to 15. Now, I'm sure it was quite entertaining, but it didn't last. Made one season uh, because there was a lawsuit filed against one of the contestants and all that kind of stuff. But the creation of this show speaks to something wrong with our society that parents would think that an 8-year-old is capable of setting up a fully functional society and then would sit back and watch them do it with no influence whatsoever. Now, I'm all for allowing children to to learn and to create and do all that. But they need guidance. People, in general, need guidance. They need help. They want help. Nowadays, young adults are looking for mentors to walk them through, to help them through life because of the experience that they had. In any job, any job in the world, Well, one that's run well. They don't just walk up to you and say, hey, you're the new whatever, Um, go at it. Have at her. You don't know what the last person did. They train you, they help you, they guide you, and they pass along the knowledge, and then you make it your own with that knowledge. That's what we do. Kids are still in the process between 8 to 15, well, 8 to 19, maybe even 25. Hard to say, but they, they take time, and they have to be Helped, guided. Even as I approach the big 50 this year, even as I get close, I still like to talk to those that have expertise in areas that I want to be guided in or I want to know. There's still things in life. I've never been 50 before. What do you do in your 50s? Do I still act like a child? I don't know. What do I do? Do I goof around? Do I goof around less? I don't know. We'll find out. I'll talk to some people over 50, and they'll give me, the, give me the goods. But we still want to know. We want to be guided. We want to be helped. And so kids need it. They need it from us. They need influence. They need help. They need guidance. Yet how often do we, as believing parents, or believing, think that our children are capable of working out a fully functional worldview that will shape important decisions for the rest of their lives? We have to help them. Part of our responsibility when it comes to our personal relationship with Jesus is that we're called to point them to Christ, not just sit back and let them figure it out and say, well, the Holy Spirit will do that. No. We, 
need to invest. Invest in our children. And as we move into 2022, we need to invest in our children. There's so much junk going on in our world. How could they decipher it? It's hard enough for grown adults to sort through this nonsense, let alone leave it a kid to figure it all out on their own. Life decisions as we move forward need to be guided and help. Worldviews need help. So my question and my challenge to you today is this. Are you going to let society and the world pour into your kids, your family, your, your relationships? Are they, you let them pour into your belief system, your worldview? Or are you going to have influence in your relationships and by pouring into them the truth and the power of the life that is surrendered to Jesus Christ? What is your choice today? Are you going to be active or are you going to be passive? And again, we don't coerce. We influence in a positive. We help people understand. You don't know how many times a week I helped correct people's view of why we do this. It looks weird. They don't understand it. So I help influence to the positive. When Christians do weird things and it makes the news, you don't know how many times I have to answer for them. I don't know them, but I don't like what they're doing, and other people don't like it either. And they're like, what's with you Christians? And I'm like, whoa, what? You're lumping me in with the crazy sect of people? Yeah, they are. So how do we influence in a positive way to make it seem like we're not crazy? We do it by showing the love of Jesus Christ and pointing to him. Not ourselves, not what I want, not what I feel, not what I need, not my perspective. We give them an influence of what Jesus has done for us, not what I've done for him. I've done nothing in perspective to what he's done. So as we move forward today, what's it going to be? And how are you going to do it where it doesn't look like you're coercing? Because that's not what we want to do. We influence so the Holy Spirit can speak. That's what we do. So how are you going to do it? Think about it this week, and we'll talk more about this over the next few Sundays on how we're going to improve and how we're going to be that influence. And if you're already there, good on you. That's fantastic. But there's a lot of us that can be confused right now. There's a lot of us that are frustrated. And so we'll hopefully learn some techniques to deal with a lot of these issues and how we can monitor ourselves to where we're at mentally. Mental health is a big thing uh, right now. It's always been a big thing, but it's a big thing right now, especially because of what's going on. And when I've talked to other people that have been through other endemics and other types of things like this, maybe not necessarily pandemic, but endemics, they tell you, just ride it out. Yeah, it's a struggle, but you ride it out. You write it out. People have been through wars. People have been through curfews. People have been through more than we've ever been, and we're upset. I get it. I understand everybody's point of view on almost everything. I understand the point of view. Do I think it's appropriate or right? Not necessarily. Um, but that's how they are. That's where they're at. So how do we influence in a positive way that all points to him so that it changes their life for eternity? Eternity. If I had to suffer, oh, I pray this doesn't happen. If I had to suffer 
for the next 20 years. And it was meant to be an example that I would just have to go with that. Let's hope it's not that way. But let's be that example, whether we're out in the, in the stores, whether we're out at a restaurant, coffee shops, school, work, wherever we are, let us be that positive influence, that hope that no matter what, we're going to make it. How do you think Israel felt every time they were conquered by the Assyrians, the Babylonians? <laughs> they were conquered by everybody, and it wasn't just a day in the park. They became slaves, and then they're in Egypt, and they're slaves in Egypt. I'm sure they weren't sitting there. I mean, they were crying out to God, but their voices were not heard by the authorities in power. Yet, they still clung to Jehovah. Yet, they still clung to the, the, the hope that he would help them. Well, and he does in the end. But how it looks is not always how we think it should. And so I want to encourage you today, there is hope. It just might not look how you think it's going to look. And so we should be thankful for where we are right now. Yes, stand up for injustice, but do it with grace and do it with peace. Do it with love. And that will make a difference in every way possible. It will make a difference. You will impact so many people. How many have ever won an argument by screaming at somebody and telling them to change their mind? It doesn't work. You can get mad all you want and freak out and scream at someone and yell at their face. What usually happens? People go, that person's a psycho. And they hang up the phone. Or they walk away. And they never want anything to do with you or your beliefs again. And they will judge a whole group of Christians based on how we act. So let's change it. Let's change it. You say That's, that could be difficult. <sighs> We're in a pandemic. You've got nothing else to do. Let's try to change that. Right? What else are you going to do? Let's change people's view that we can have a positive outlook and get, that, and get control and have some influence on that anger and that loss of hope. Let's do it. Are you with me? All right, let's do it as we move forward this week. I'm going to pray with you right now. Father, thank you for this day. And as we move forward, as we move through 2022 and beyond, let us be that example that needs to be out there. Let us, let us influence, not go earth, but influence those about you. Let's make a difference. Let's make a change as we move forward, as we continue to go through life and work out this journey and this faith that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you for everything you're doing in our lives, and thank you for the opportunities that are about to come to be a great influence for you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great week, and we're going to see you here next Sunday. Hopefully the boiler works. <laughs>